This is me over the weekend. Got together with a bunch of people. A lot of people there I didn't know too, but that's me in the back. Such a good time. You ready to roll? Three, two, one. Good evening. It is still not safe to gather with people. You must remain in lockdown and refrain from gathering for your protection and the safety of those around you. The experts who you give your power away to estimate that it'll be safe to gather with people again in about seven generations from now. And we have many other breaking news stories for you today. In a remarkable feat, the Moderna vaccine trials have shown the vaccine to be 94% effective in preventing COVID-19 symptoms. This is just what we in the world needed to hear. Almost as remarkably, COVID-19 has been shown to be 80% effective in preventing COVID-19 symptoms, as 80% of infected people simply don't have any symptoms. But for the individuals who do not receive a COVID-19 infection to protect them from COVID-19 symptoms, the vaccine is looking like a powerful pathway at preventing COVID-19 symptoms for them. It's without a doubt the most reality-based breakthrough a company has ever shown on their own product. In other news, you don't know anyone who's gotten the flu or a cold since last February. Do you? Right? That's because those things don't exist anymore. Let's not think about that any further. In Japan, during October alone, there were more suicides related to the misery of the lockdowns than there were deaths from COVID in all of 2020. Experts suspect the only way to reduce the number of suicides from the lockdowns is with more strict lockdowns. This just in, officials who impose lockdowns on societies who don't want them are not held accountable for the deaths caused by the lockdowns. Experts agree schools need to stay closed indefinitely to protect our children. This year to date, there's been 127 kids under the age of 18 who have died from COVID. Yet there's been 26,333 total deaths this year. Luckily, the things that are killing 206 times more kids than COVID appear to be far less deadly than COVID and need not be worried about while we continue to worry about COVID. Even though the numbers I just read are straight from the CDC website, the fact checkers will check this video out as false information that could mislead people. Oh, and this just in. Suck it, fact checkers. <laughs> I blacked out. Where were we? In Austin, Texas, the leader of the Communist Party, Mayor Steve Adler, told residents they must stay home in lockdown while he was on vacation in Mexico. In lockdowns, dictator Eric Garcetti has canceled everything. A very precise, nuanced strategy to use lockdowns to help kill people before a virus can kill them. Now, if there's one thing we can all agree on, it's lockdowns simply save lives. They're unquestionably the right thing to do. Though, oddly enough, the World Health Organization is now urging world leaders to stop using lockdowns. The World Health Organization's Dr. David Nabarro has said the reason for not using lockdowns anymore is because of the hunger and poverty they cause. <laughs> However, in our good medical conscience, we have to classify this doctor's medical perspective as Russian misinformation. 
It is appalling that Russia could even say that he said lockdowns cause hunger and poverty. In other news, The Lancet reported an estimated 265 million people will be facing acute food insecurity by the end of 2020. And it's estimated lockdowns will push an additional 150 million people into extreme poverty. It's clear that the public and the experts who are allowed to talk want more lockdowns. Facebook still has election-related posts labeled as Joe Biden is the projected winner of the U.S. presidential election. And it's kind of making people who don't know how to not think ask, what are they trying to cover up? Well, the answer is nothing. In unrelated news, a firm that owns Dominion Voting Systems received $400 million from a Swiss bank with connections to the Chinese government before the election. However, it would be xenophobic to even question this information any further. A new study out of Denmark concludes that masks do not protect you from COVID infection. Well, Denmark, I think this guy disagrees with you. People should not be walking around with masks. Uh, no, not, not that one. Um, play the other clip. Masks are important. Yeah, that's right. That's a face you can trust. And you can also trust this Danish study is clearly from Russia. That's it for today's news. Tune in tomorrow to update your internal software with the latest edition of Terror. Go back to sleep, America. We'll do your thinking for you. Well, he kind of he kind of says it all, all there, doesn't he? <laughs> I mean, he hits all the fine points and uh, really, really can't argue with Mr. Sears there. Uh, unfortunately, the social media tech tyrants, uh, our uh, social media giants, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter, I guess those are the big three. Um, he's getting basically censored off of uh, Facebook. Mark Levine, another conservative uh, commentary guy, is getting off of Facebook. Uh, I took like a little hiatus break from there, uh, jump back in. Just go to Facebook for the memes. Uh, don't, don't, my advice and recommendation is not to post anything of any consequence or anything controversial. Just fucking go there for the memes, forge shit. Do whatever you want to, but uh, there's no there's no point in arguing. It's, it's a bunch of fucking stupid people. Uh, uh, the individual is smart. People are stupid, and that is no more readily apparent than uh, on social media. And it just keeps getting worse and worse every day. Uh, I didn't know how to put my finger on it, but uh, he says it quite nicely when he says 94% uh, of you know the vaccines, which are being rolled out in earnest. Um, uh, what is it? Canada approved it. Uh, the UK is rolling it out, and they're, they're doing injections now. This is an indictment of the FDA in the United States that uh, foreign countries are able to dispense and uh, issue vaccines quicker than the United States is. Uh, I think they uh, just recently approved it within, like, the last 24 hours uh, for issuance in the United States. But essentially, the effectiveness of the uh, most potent vaccine is 94-95%, uh, makes you asymptomatic or reduces symptoms, and the potentness or the potency or the effectiveness of coronavirus is 80%. 80% of individuals are asymptomatic when they get the disease or virus. So there you go. Uh, that's kind of uh, well said, sir. Well said. Uh, and he's, he's right. Where did the flu go? Like, do you know anyone that has had the flu? Do you know anyone that's had corona? Um, I know uh, quite plenty that have had false positives, false negatives, uh, had the corona, not had the corona, um, I know I know nobody that has died of it. I know people that know people have that have died of it. So uh, two chaining uh, that one. 
of all the uh, of all the stuff, let's just say the numbers are quite low. Uh, not at liberty to discuss uh, said numbers, um, but it is what it is. I would argue, and I have argued consistently, that deaths of despair um, have greatly outweigh uh, the three hundred thousand uh, quote unquote deaths uh, of with whatever the fuck you want to say of uh, coronavirus. Um, even though the number is only five percent, last tally were people that have died of coronavirus, 95% of those deaths are with. And I understand that coronavirus is a complicating factor, and if you have comorbidities, if you get coronavirus, you're more likely to die. Also, if you are elderly, you're more likely to die. Dead horse, beaten to death. Um, I'm not sold. You're not, you're not going to sell me. Uh, the total death rate continues to pace at normal, or basically what 2019 was. So essentially, um, I mean, is 100,000 people, is 200,000 people, is 300,000 people uh, worth the economic destruction and the rot and the lives and the bullshit that we're going to fucking impose upon ourselves and the uh, deflated currency and uh, destroyed fucking wealth and all the things that we used to do but we don't do anymore? I mean, I would argue that we're just doing murder porn, like I've said earlier, and we're literally just, we're just fine-scoping what normal flu seasons or extraordinary flu seasons have been like, and we're just paying a, a close attention to it. And on this, on this front, why do you even give the media um, any credibility whatsoever? Like, you shouldn't. should not do it. Uh, the Hunter Biden story is another long list of things that tell you everything you need to know about the media and how much they fucking suck about what they do, and they're just hot garbage and they should not be trusted. So please uh, seek out alternative media sites, alternative media, and everything like that. I mean, fuck, I would trust myself more than than I would MSNBC, CNN, whatever. Like they're they're trying to start to report now. Uh, I'll, I'll run back to that. Uh, deaths under twenty. All right, good uh, for schools. It's not a thing. Uh, he says two hundred and sixteen times uh, greater. All right, whatever, bro. Um, Democratic, just in the same vent that all the voting regulators go towards Biden, all the motherfuckers that are violating their policies are Democrats. Uh, the California governor uh, not paying attention. The uh, health, the public health official in California, uh, caught being out to eat. Uh, Newsom doing the same thing. The Austin mayor that was from that was in Cabo Verde or where the fuck he was, uh, Costa Rica, wherever the fuck he was, um, it was like, don't leave your house with a green screen up, with a beach behind him. Don't leave your house, guys. Uh, it's very imperative that you don't do this, that, and the other. Um, the Denver mayor that flew, uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, all these dipshits and retards. Uh, Wendy Cummings uh, saw a, uh, uh, a headline on that one, kind of says it. You're, uh, you're the high and mighty, mighties are the, the ruling class. I guess that's, a, that's an appropriate way to think of them. Uh, the, the ruling class... Once they're, uh, you know, lockdowns for everybody, except for the Uber drivers or the Uber Eats guys and the Amazon d delivery package guys. Everybody else got a lockdown except for those people. I need my Uber Eats and my Amazon. And, um, oh, oh, yeah, don't forget to fix the electric systems and, oh, farmers, you too. But everybody else just fucking sit in your room and stare at a computer and listen and dictate. But the virus is real for everybody except for Black Lives Matter, Democrats, and farmers. Um, lockdowns are fucking stupid. Um, you knew everything you need to know by April 15th. I mean, that's as far as I was willing to play the game was April 15th. Um, and, and you have basically 90, 95% of the information 
that you needed to know that this was a highly, uh, uh, highly virulent, uh, but not so much deadly uh, virus because it's not the bubonic plague. It's not even close. It's a 99.92% survival rate. I mean, if you're over 70 and you get the fucking flu, good luck, buddy. Like, it, that is what it is. I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't mean to be callous, whatever the case is. And you, you can't control society based on compassion. And that's where compassion gets you is being locked up. Like, the next step is climate change. Uh, you're never going to get rid of your mask and blah, blah, blah. I did see an article. And uh, basically, I understand what the article is trying to say. But fuck you, article. Uh, the article is basically, you've gotten your vaccine now. You must continue to wear your mask. Blah, blah, blah. Ten reasons why you have to wear your mask after you get the vaccine. Yeah, fuck you, buddy. And I understand that I'm still in the... I'm in the... I'm, I'm in the major minority now, as far as mask wearing is concerned. I don't care if you wear a mask. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't, you don't. I don't care. You live and let live has been my policy uh, or my thoughts about the whole thing. So um, I will say that if, if nobody... If, you and me are standing six from each other and neither, neither of us are wearing a mask, there's a higher probability of us transmitting something to each other than if we're both wearing masks. I can see that point. But what was the difference between January or February 1st and April 1st or February 1st, 2020 and April 1st, 2020 or February 1st, 2020 and uh, September 1st, 2020? By the way, the virus was fucking here and uh, reports are coming out that it was here in December. November, like I'm, I am very convinced that I had it in December or late November, early December here in Europa, and the reports are kind of uh, following it up. What's the difference? The media is the difference. The fucking co consistent gaslighting and the the murder porn and the continuous blah 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 of the uh, and you, and you sit there and you listen to it, and I don't understand why. And everybody listens to it, and all these. Uh, idiots at your leadership positions um, don't want to deal with death accountability um, they would rather have a suicide or a murder or a domestic issue or a rape or some stupid shit than a covid death right now that's where their mindset is at and it's fucking embarrassing um yeah i, I mean i really don't know what else to say about that i, I think i've kind of rambled uh, on the hunter biden stuff let's just drive the media point home here is, um, and here is the media on Hunter Biden before uh, this, when the laptop story broke, before the election. It was all disinformation. New York Post got their shit banned on Twitter. Uh, nobody wanted to listen to it. Uh, saw routine arguments from the left that this was just Russian disinformation. Uh, they support the Russian, uh, Trump is a Russian cat's paw. Trump is a fucking rump, uh, marionette. But they, it wasn't real, right? The, the Russians apparently planned a laptop in a Delaware uh, computer store, and this guy is a Russian disinformationist. So here's the media on that one. I just want to deal in fact, because there is so much speculation out there, and there is zero evidence that Hunter Biden or Joe Biden did anything wrong here. We should note, again, you, you and I have said this on the air many times, there is no evidence that Joe Biden was you know, involved in any wrongdoing. Of course, I want to note that there is no evidence that Joe Biden or Hunter Biden has done anything wrong. I just want to reiterate. And let's be clear for the viewers. There is no evidence Biden did anything wrong. I'll note again, because it's important. There is no, I repeat, no. There is no evidence that either Biden did anything illegal. There's been no evidence. There was no evidence. There's no evidence. There is no evidence. There is not an iota of evidence. No, no evidence. 
evidence Biden did anything wrong. There's really no evidence that Joe Biden did anything wrong. Nobody's ever accused that. I mean, there's no evidence whatsoever that Joe Biden did anything wrong. Got that? Joe Biden did nothing wrong. Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. And now, since the since the and there's there's clear reason why they did this. There's clear reason why Barr didn't come out and say the things that he should have said uh, previous to the election because he didn't want to comb it out. Uh, there are clear reasons why the media did not cover the, the Hunter Biden story and basically any story that was detrimental to Joe Biden at all, like they refused to ask him any questions whatsoever, is because they didn't want to make the same mistake that they made in 2016. If you recall, Comey got up like a fucking bumbling idiot and said, oh, look, Hillary fucking deleted 32,000 emails. She didn't do anything wrong, even though by statute she did. She didn't do anything wrong, and uh, we're not going to prosecute her, blah. And then everybody's like, fuck that bitch, Donald Trump. Like, that's kind of what happened in 2016. Um, and then Trump, to his credit, uh, he is a snake oil salesman. He's a piece of shit. Uh, he is what he is. But he's gotten a lot of shit done uh, from a conservative realm perspective. Even though he's not a conservative, he's horrifically uh, fucked up the budget. Um, uh, he fucked up coronavirus, but he appointed a lot of great judges, signed a bunch of peace deals in the Middle East. God bless him. Well, well done, sir. And he's flailing at the very end. Joe Biden, all hail Lord Biden, will be your uh, next uh, president come January 20. I see no other way. That this is going to go on. I would be completely shocked uh, if that was not the case. Uh, but yeah, so the, the media goes and does that. Um, you know, not a story, didn't happen, false, fake, whatever. And now it's, oh, it's real, but it's, it's still Russian disinformation. Biden secret emails. A really fishy story. The Post claimed that the emails were found on a laptop computer that was brought to a repair shop in Delaware in the spring of 2019. The FBI is now investigating whether those alleged Hunter Biden emails are actually connected to a larger foreign intelligence operation. They may be related to a foreign intelligence operation. Foreign intelligence operation. Foreign intelligence. Foreign intelligence. Foreign intelligence operation. For all we know, these emails are made up. The information found on the laptop may be part of a Russian disinformation campaign. Part of a Russian uh, disinformation uh, effort. Described by many intelligence experts as having hallmarks. All the hallmark, hallmarks, rather. All the hallmarks of a Russian. Or Russian. Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation. Disinformation campaign. This is a classic example of the right-wing media machine. Don't drag the intelligence community into this. Hunter Biden's laptop is not part of some Russian disinformation campaign. The intelligence community doesn't believe that uh, because there's no intelligence that supports that. censoring journalism critical of Joe Biden and making it impossible for you to learn about developments in the US election. Facebook has become the most egregious of these tech giants, 
Hiding behind third-party fact-checkers, it has promised to be independent and entirely non-partisan. These fact-checkers have extraordinary powers to censor news stories they disagree with, demonetize news organizations, and even ban news outlets entirely. They are granted these powers on the provision that they are balanced in their judgments and that they do not have agendas, and most importantly, that they don't campaign for or against one side of politics. Well, Sky News Australia has launched an investigation into these fact-checkers, and what we have uncovered is disturbing evidence of political bias and a lack of accountability at the top levels of the certification process. In the most extreme example we have uncovered, an outspoken Twitter activist critical of Donald Trump, who brags about being on Team Hillary Clinton, has become the independent expert in charge of who becomes a fact-checker. But first, to understand how the flow of information became so corrupted, to the point where faceless activists from other countries are threatening to ban voices they disagree with, well, we have to go back to the 2016 US election. The race Democrats thought was in the bag. After Democrats lost the 2016 election, a movement against conservative opinions began gaining momentum as progressives opted to lay the blame of their devastating election loss at the feet of misinformation on Facebook. Rather than looking at their own failed political strategies or policies, progressives opted to blame without evidence that the election was stolen through Russian misinformation spread on Facebook. Without evidence for their claims, they alleged President Donald Trump greenlit the entire operation. But they sold about $100,000 of advertisements to what they call inauthentic accounts operated out of Russia during the campaign. Uh, Facebook says that uh, they've shared this inf information with investigators. Are you concerned that these ads may have deliberately targeted voters in some of those key swing states? Well, this is just one platform. Uh, we need to find out what is the evidence with respect to other social media platforms like Twitter, for example. There is significant evidence of collusion. There is ample evidence, and indeed there is. Uh, of collusion of people in the Trump campaign with the Russians. I think there's plenty of evidence of collusion or conspiracy. Evidence suggests, indeed, Trump is, has been, a pawn of the Russians. But when you start to see a pattern uh, where he basically spouts Putin's lines, then we have to ask the most unusual and frightening question about our own president. Why this president seems to be putting Russia's interests ahead of our own. Well, Christy, the president's tweet trying to make the case that he's not a Russian asset really just undercuts his own defense. The president's tweet couldn't have been scripted better if it was written by Putin himself. This is nothing short of treasonous because it is a betrayal of the nation. He is giving aid and comfort to the enemy. Is there influence, whether witting or unwitting, by the, by the Russians over uh, President Trump? The possibility, the very real possibility, that President Putin holds damaging information over President Trump. Now, some more tech-savvy progressives saw this hoax as an opportunity to gain a paycheck from Facebook under the guise of fact-checking misinformation. Of course, these fact-checkers never probe conspiracy theories such as the Russia collusion hoax. No, instead they aggressively target conservatives and have on several occasions threatened this news organisation and ordered we amend headlines to appease their opinions. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg drew criticism from these progressives shortly after the election for rejecting their premise. Personally, I think the idea of fake news on Facebook, which is a very small amount of the content, influenced the election anyway, I think is a pretty crazy idea. 
Voters make decisions based on their lived experiences, he said. I do think there is a certain profound lack of empathy in asserting that the only reason someone could have voted the way they did is that they saw fake news, Mark Zuckerberg said. He went on to say, if you believe that, then I don't think you have internalised the message the Trump supporters are trying to send in this election. But eventually, cracks appeared in Zuckerberg's rhetoric, and he caved into those who would eventually become the fact-checkers, today's controllers of information. Enter the International Fact-Checking Network, a coalition of progressive, self-proclaimed fact-checkers who wrote an open letter to Mark Zuckerberg shortly after his comments were published. We believe that Facebook should start an open conversation on the principles that could underpin a more accurate news ecosystem on its newsfeed. The global fact-checking community is eager to take part in this conversation. Well, I imagine they would be quite eager. These fact-checkers are being paid for the task of censoring content and policing the vast depths of Facebook is a giant task indeed. Facebook won't publicly reveal how much the fact-checkers are paid, but you could imagine it would be substantial given how important the company now places their efforts on misinformation. The International Fact-Checking Organization also managed to monopolize this newly blossoming industry. Facebook has promised to only use the fact-checkers certified by the group, the International Fact-Checking Organization. Now, this is quite a responsibility. You would hope that members of this body are above reproach. Tragically, for the free exchange of ideas, Sky News can reveal that one of the most prolific fact-checking certifiers is an outspoken Twitter activist who politically barracks for Hillary Clinton and even appears on propaganda network Russia Today to attack Donald Trump. Meet American University School of Communication professor Margot Suska, the certifier who was granted 19 fact-checking licenses or reviews to organizations wanting to police your content. Some of the bodies she has approved or audited include the Associated Press, Check Your Fact, Decryptors, Lead Stories, MediaWise, and The Dispatch. Ms. Suska has tweeted that it would be a, quote, dereliction of duty to even broadcast speeches of Donald Trump. And in 2019, Ms. Suska posted a happy snap with failed presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, where she admitted, I've been on Team Hillary since 2008, to be honest. And then she said she was disappointed that Hillary Clinton's likability did not resonate with the public in the 2016 election. She went on to say, my boyfriend was her nuclear policy fellow for a year when she was in the Senate. He says that she's the smartest, most likable person. It just never came through, I guess. So sad. Ms. Suska also retweeted content that said, quote, a projected Joe Biden win won't erase the racism shown by Donald Trump and embraced by nearly half the country's electorate. Half the country? A racist? That doesn't seem very objective to me. In one of her several appearances on Russia Today, Ms. Suska admits that she cannot be objective about Donald Trump. It's hard for me to be an objective, uh, objective observer of this uh, presidential administration when for years now they have continuously uh, tried to delegitimize and marginalize news reporters for doing their constitutionally protected job. However, despite her public political activism, Ms. Suska holds a key position with the International Fact-Checking Network, which allows her to grant fact-checking licenses and even audit decisions. In one recent audit of Facebook fact-checker lead stories, Ms. Suska said in her opinion the website was objective and fair when fact-checking. 
I have no concerns about its sources, topic selection or methodology. Nor do I have any concerns about its partisanship or fairness to one political side or the other. Well, it's the Suska guarantee, so who could fault that? Ms. Suska was also the person who granted Australia's left-wing opinion website The Conversation a licence to become a fact-checker in May 2018. That licence has since expired. Now, Sky News Australia asked Ms. Suska a series of questions about whether the public could have faith in her ability to be objective or whether she felt, by appearing on Russia Today, her credibility was hurt. Ms. Suska described the questions as, quote, threatening. Look at your own ownership and ethics before you threaten others working on these crucial issues and charge that they lack independence and a commitment to truth. Your email was meant to be threatening and quite frankly, I find its tone abhorrent. I've worked in journalism or media for decades, so your accusation that I don't take it seriously is egregious and you should be ashamed of yourself. Ms. Suska said her tweets were not a display of bias, but a call for news organisations to do fact-based journalism to help average citizens govern themselves in a democracy. I think you're starting off from a place of bad faith and you are, quite frankly, missing the point of the tweets specifically and my work generally, she said. We sent the International Fact-Checking Network a series of equally robust questions, but they declined to respond. Not much for transparency, you would see especially when organisations Ms Suska has cleared for duty are consistently censoring news stories and declaring information which is accurate to be false. This is a disgrace. Facebook, however, claims the International Fact-Checking Network Group is non-partisan. We're committed to fighting the spread of misinformation on Facebook and Instagram, Facebook says it's on its website. In many countries and regions, we work with independent third-party fact-checking organisations who are certified through the non-partisan International Fact-Checking Network to identify, review and take action on this content. Fact-checking partners do not prioritise claims that are inconsequential or consist of minor inaccuracies. Additionally, the program is not meant to interfere with individual expression, opinions and debate, clearly satirical or humorous content or business disputes. Well, Zuckerberg, we at Sky News have had our opinion content and analysis flagged and censored, so the program isn't really working. Instead of hiding behind biased third-party fact-checkers, perhaps it's time to clean up this corrupt and unfair system you've created. People should be free to express themselves without being censored by an unelected body, accountable to absolutely no one. If you don't, perhaps the laws in this country will have to be rewritten to prevent the abuse of power from continuing. G'day, mate. Jesus Christ. Too much news. Too much news going on uh, this week. Uh, complete and utter insanity. Apparently, fucking the Chinese are all over Democrats like hotcakes. The, uh, uh, the Russian Kaluja guy, Swalwell, apparently had a Russian, or sorry, Chinese spy with him pretty much the entire time. He was fucking making all those claims. Uh, what a dumb, what a dumb bastard. And, mo and more, right? So it is what it is. Fucking Biden was the preferred candidate of China. Apparently Trump was the preferred candidate of Russia. Who the fuck knows? Who the fuck cares? Um, we have basically Uncle Bernie running the ship for the next two years before he's unceremoniously swacked by the VP. And then <laughs> it's coming. So yay for that. All right. Spizzity Sports. Or, uh, well, last point. Uh, Section 230 needs to be amended to remove liability protections for uh, at least Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.
All right, enough said. Maybe I can dive in more on a, on a further, further podcast. Uh, in sports news, breakdancing is now allowed in the Olympics. Not Olympic wrestling, not professional wrestling, breakdancing. Uh, in addition, you can protest in the Olympics now. So I'll be turning that shit off. Uh, as for yours truly, uh, I have made playoffs in all five of my leagues. I am playing in four of those matches. I actually got a bye week in one of them. Uh, somehow I made the number two seed, so taking that one easy. In, uh, in the league, making fantasy great again, uh, I had a running back score a grand total of half of a point, so I'm in trouble in that one. Uh, currently trailing the versus matchup 143 to 166 projected. We'll see how that goes. And then in the Department of Disrespect, I had golf and cup put up uh, about 26 points, so I am... Currently leading that matchup, 135 to 127. They put up a nice little, uh, basically, uh, goose egg. And then it is what it is. In my league, uh, World League Hua, I'm in the 4-5, or in the 4 seed in the 4-5 matchup. Uh, the beautiful thing about the, having the higher seed is that you get five points to start with, and these things can come in handy, especially when the projected score is 123 to 120. So that five points will come in uh, handy. Uh, going through the, the tough one seed. And then uh, in my final league, the work league, uh, I am the one seed by two wins. Uh, they only allow four teams in the playoffs. So week 14 is a regular season uh, matchup. So it doesn't really matter if I win or lose or whatever. I'll be, I'll be carrying the one seed uh, into the playoffs. So that is your, uh, your fantasy report or retort, even though you, wouldn't, you don't care about that, right? Nobody cares about that. They just want the rundown of the, the super cool guy, uh, what is it? NFL standings. So, here you go. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers dropped one to the Washington Redskins. Redskins. Um, I know that's crazy. Uh, UGA beating up on Missouri, forty-nine to fourteen. Oh, there you go. NCAA football. Let's go. Let's go there because they're actually playing. Uh, Georgia, you know, giving them a good run. Ooh, A&M lands ESPN three hundred defensive end Shamar Turner. Good for them. Uh, Northwestern over Illinois, 28-10 right now. Uh, Penn State, Michigan State, uh, 32-24. 12 minutes left in the fourth. Western Michigan over Ball State, 27-19. Alabama, 45. Arkansas, 3. Wake Forest and Louisville, uh, 28-21 Louisville. Uh, Army-Navy game is today. Go Bean Tavi. Go Navy beat Army. Uh, Coastal Carolina plays Troy, North Carolina and Miami, a top 25 matchup. Uh, I cannot believe that uh, Ohio State is going to get away with playing just five games. Uh, They canceled the Michigan-Ohio State game because they're fucking stupid. Um, Clowns. Uh, A&M's not playing for some reason. I think they play. It was postponed between uh, that. So A&M, the five seed. uh, Michigan, OU, and then other Games that were canceled, Tulsa, Cincinnati, OU, West Virginia, Indiana, Purdue, Texas, KU, Ohio, Kent State, Michigan, Ohio, Bowling Green, uh, Incarnate Ward, Arkansas State, Washington, Oregon, and then Utah State. Uh, Those individuals, the Utes, I think that's who they are, the Utah State, uh, walked off, you know, protesting racial injustice. Have they been to the fucking Middle East? Um, Just saying. Uh, in the NFL, like as I said, 
the super cool guy uh, Pittsburgh Steelers dropped a game to the Redskins. Um, let's just go to the standings. See how that's working out for everybody. Uh, Buffalo holds a game advantage over Miami. Uh, New York Jets have been eliminated from postseason play. They are 0-12. Uh, Pittsburgh holds a two-game lead over Cleveland. Cleveland plays Baltimore. Cincinnati has been eliminated from postseason play. Uh, Tennessee and Indianapolis tied at 8-4. Uh, Jacksonville has been eliminated from postseason play. Houston 4-8 and plays the Chicago Bears. Kansas City clinched a spot in the playoffs at 11-1. Uh, they hold a four-game advantage over the Raiders. The Chargers have been eliminated for postseason play at 3-9. and nine. Uh, Giants, running the show at the NFC East, um, have a tiebreaker advantage over the Redskins at 5-7. and seven. Uh, Philly, two games back at 3-8. and eight. Uh, Green Bay holds a three-game lead over Minnesota uh, with Chicago and Detroit at 5-7 after that. Uh, Green Bay at 9-3. New Orleans clinched a spot at 10-2. Tampa at 7-5. Atlanta, Carolina out of it. At four and eight, and then in the West, the Rams at nine and four. Seattle half game back at eight and four. Uh, not looking good for Zona or uh, San Francisco. Playoff picture: uh, Pittsburgh still has it with Kansas City in the two. They would play Indy, or they would host Indy. Buffalo would host Miami. Uh, that would be a divisional matchup, and then Tennessee would host Cleveland. Baltimore on the outside looking in, along with Vegas uh, in the eight seed. Baltimore in the nine. Uh, in the NFC, New Orleans has the one seed. Uh, Green Bay would host Minnesota. The Rams would host Tampa Bay, and the Giants would host Seattle. And the Giants, the Seattle lost to uh, the Giants. Uh, all right, oh, good for them. Uh, do do do. That's it with uh, Minnesota holding the seven seed with Arizona at six six as well. So so uh, I mean Arizona could get in. Chicago. Detroit, San Francisco, Washington still conceivably have a chance uh, to get in Washington and could hop all the way to the four seed over the Giants, uh, depending. So uh, NBA going to start on the 22nd of December, so we'd expect them to have some uh, games. NCAA men's is going on, but they're canceling games like it's going out of style. Uh, there's a boxing match, Joshua versus some Russian dude. I don't know why he's fight, not fighting Fury or uh, you know somebody of consequence. Uh, and that's kind of it for your spore rapport. I mean, I could be doing more, but I don't know. It is what it is. All right. It's your Supreme Court recap, and I'll just throw in a couple more cases just out of interest. First and foremost, and I may have already talked about this due to editing on the podcast, but the Texas versus Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania case, the uh, uh, case got thrown out, and it was kind of expected. It was a 99% certainty that the case wouldn't have seen the light of day. I would have loved to have heard the arguments, uh, then the court dismissed it as a 7-2 or 9-0 uh, verdict because it would have been interesting. You know, It would have been good for transparency and good to drag the uh, you know dead body across the finish line for the Bidens. Uh, uh, that is the 2020 election, but they dismissed it because it didn't have standing. They're basically, they're saying that Texas, uh, despite all its complaints, didn't have a cognizable quote-unquote injury with the uh, uh, malfeasance of all those, uh, the six states that, you know, changed their laws or, or had a bunch of irregularities, the majority of them being swing states. So they didn't uh, give credence to Texas's argument. 
which is totally understandable because the best uh, example I've heard is that uh, you don't want California suing, uh, you know, non-abortion states uh, for, you know, a secondary injury because they would claim that people are fleeing those states to come to California to get abortions or, you know, green climate, you know, climate-friendly uh, uh, economies or all that other shit. That's the door you would open with Texas's uh, suit, uh, so to speak. So basically every challenge has been defeated with the exception of the one in Georgia. Uh, but I, I may have covered this previously or covered that previously. I won't go into it for the, uh, for the sake of the Supreme Court. Uh, section of the podcast. Uh, the McCluskeys in St. Louis had their entire, uh, uh, the prosecutors decided to, or were removed uh, from it because it was basically, that it was a political stunt. Uh, it's a Second Amendment issue for them, uh, for those individuals. Uh, imagine that individu- individuals are trespassing on private property. You come out with a weapon, granted your uh, trigger discipline and uh, muzzle control isn't that great, but you are defending your property, and you get charged. Um, and this happened in uh, Houston, too. Some dumb bitch went out and tried to destroy Castle Docton and wanted you to... Uh, it was pretty embarrassing. Um, insane that uh, th- that person would come up with that kind of logic to say, if somebody breaks into your home, you need to retreat because, you know, they're just trying to... They're disadvantaged, and they're, uh, you know lacks of society and they're just not they're not trying to hurt you oh jesus like i don't know yeah just say no just just say no and she probably needs to be excised from society just throwing out there uh mike flynn his case gets thrown out uh, judge sullivan that piece of shit and he needs to be taken off the bench and thrown away as well removed some from society that would be fantastic and great because uh, that was embarrassing what he did uh, for criminal or basically justice in general, uh, where he essentially continued to prosecute an individual even though the state uh, had de- declined to do that. I don't think the judge has that authority, uh, but he he went over and above his authority to become the defendant in a case to the appeal. The appeals court uh, turned it down. And then they had a full court hearing where they, uh, you know, said, oh, great idea. Great idea, judge. Why wouldn't you just need to prosecute without without charges being filed? Why wouldn't you as a judge have the authority to throw somebody in jail with no charges? Great fucking, great job there, D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, And then the Tenth Circuit case was the last one uh, before I get into the December cases, uh, November 30th through December 10th uh, cases for the Supreme Court. Tenth Circuit, Kansas, has not been granted... uh, oral arguments yet. That's the one where um, basically the Tenth Circuit affirmed that it was too bothersome for citizens or individuals to come up and show that they improved that they had citizenship. Uh, so you would hope that the uh, that would be overturned or at least heard and justified as to why uh, they would not be able to hear that case. Uh, starting off, uh, four and a half minutes into it, there you go, some, some great Uh, Supreme Court uh, analysis here from the layman, SH1T. Trump versus New York. Uh, This was essentially the charge was that they wanted to control what Trump could say to the Secretary of Commerce to control the census. And I thought this was complete bullshit. The question or the the summary is Congress has provided that for the purposes of apportioning seats to the House of Representatives, the president shall prepare a statement showing the whole number of persons on each state. 
as ascertained under the decennial census of the population. It is further provided that the Secretary of Commerce shall take the decennial census in such form and content as they may determine and shall tabulate the results in a report to the President. So that seems pretty cut and dry. Uh, the President has issued a mem memo instructing the Secretary to include within that receipt information enabling the President to implement a policy decision to exclude illegal aliens from the base population, uh, the number of apportionment to the maximum extent feasible and consistent with the discretion delegated to the executive branch. I see nothing wrong with that. Uh, at the behest of the plaintiffs urging that exclusion of illegal aliens would unconstitutionally alter the apportionment and chill some persons from participating in the census, three-judge district court declared the memorandum unlawful. They can go fuck themselves and enjoin the secretary from including that information in his report, which is complete bullshit. What follows a line of the courts, uh, they've, they've made a couple decisions where they're basically controlling what the executive uh, can say to each other internally. Uh, a couple of the questions that were uh, decided or discussed was whether the relief entered satisfies the requirement of the Article 3. Um, so I did not know that you didn't have to be a citizen to be counted in apportionment for the Constitution. I also did not know um, that the Secretary of Commerce was the person that did the whole damn thing. So, um, basically, my thoughts on this are is that until it's executed as whatever's going on, it's okay. You can't really stop the President from telling the Secretary of Commerce what to do. And, and hey, do it, do it by all means legally, but give me these numbers. Like, you can't stop the President from doing that. And then if the Secretary of Commerce does or does not comply... Uh, that's up to them, but uh, executive branch serves at the pleasure of the president, so that was kind of easy for me uh, to say that. Uh, but my answer to the first question was, well, the question is again, whether the relief entered satisfies the requirements of Article 3 of the Constitution. My answer was the exclusion of illegal aliens may, may alter apportionment. So since injury hasn't occurred, which is what I just said, there's no reason to execute on the issue. It's relevant if it would chill persons from participating because you could, then you could, you could basically fine-tune any number of things because you could always make an argument that if you say that, oh, if you have a male-female as your only two options, you know, some people aren't going to answer that because they feel like they're dragons, so you're going to chill some people's dumb. So you need 8,000 uh, gender sex choices on the census. Go fuck yourself. So that's irrelevant. Um, so they should not have uh, done that. And then the second question is whether a memo is permissible. Yes. Uh, Secretary of Commerce shall take the decennial census in such form as he may determine, quote, uh, quote, unquote. Uh, as part of the executive branch, Secretary of Commerce received memos from the president on the issue, uh, the memo instructing the secretary to include the report information enabling the president to implement policy decision to exclude Ill illegal aliens from the base population uh, to the maximum extent feasible and consistent with the discretion uh, isn't illegal. The implementation may be, but that's for uh, them to do. So if the president gives false numbers, then the states can sue because they have an injury, right? Because they weren't counting legal aliens or dragons or whatever the fuck it was. So uh, that was uh, my thoughts on that one. Uh, next case is Van Buren versus United States. Uh, whether a person who is authorized to access information on a computer for certain purposes violates Section 1030 uh, Alpha 2, and that is Section 1030 Alpha 2, is intentionally accessing a computer without authorization or exceeding authorized access and thereby obtaining information in a financial record uh, or information from a department or information from a protected computer for the Fraud and Abuse Act. So I thought it was an overreach. They were trying to write in just basically saying if you accessed a government computer or if you accessed uh, a computer 
And let's say your boss said, no YouTube on the computer, and you go on YouTube, you could be charged under this act. I thought that was an overreach. Uh, and there's many other statutes that this person could be sued upon. Uh, third case was Nestle versus Doe, or Nestle USA versus Doe. Thought this was interesting. And this, uh, there were three of these uh, extraterritorial disputes that I thought were quite easy. Just interesting that they were, they were there. Uh, whether aiding a betting claim against a domestic corporation brought under the tort statute or alien tort statute uh, may overcome extraterritoriality bar where their claim is based on allegations in general corporate activity in the U.S. and where plaintiffs cannot trace the alleged harms, so no, uh, which occurred abroad at the hands of identified actors. The, basically, the case was is that uh, they were saying that since Nestle did business with the Ivory Coast Farms or Ivory Coast Farms that engaged in questionable quote-unquote uh, farming practices, a.k.a. child slave labor, uh, Nestle should be held liable for the farm's activities. I thought that was too far of a reach. Uh, question two was whether the judiciary has authority under the Alien Tort Statute to impose liability on domestic corporations. And then I'd say you'd have to look at jurisdictions, so no. Alien Torts are seem to cover non-citizens inside the U.S., not outside. Uh, but that's not anywhere. So go to the legislature, amplify to figure it out. Ivory Coast personnel or persons cannot sue the U.S. for actions on the Ivory Coast. They'd have to bring it up in the government of the Ivory Coast. So um, seems pretty uh, uh, cut and dry to me, which is, uh, I forget what they call that, that, that principle. Uh, next, uh, next case is CIC Services versus IRS. Uh, it was essentially that they were... The CIC services was basically fighting a memo saying that the IRS was saying, hey, comply with this, you know, tax land. You give us this money and then you can sue for a refund. Um, to say it was like, we don't have to comply because we'd break the law if we paid for the tax and blah. So the question is whether the Anti-Injection Acts bar on lawsuits for the purpose of restraining the assessment or collection of taxes bars the challenges to unlawful regulatory mandates issued by administrative agencies. My legal opinion is no, it does not. Essentially, any way you could restrict the IRS is a good thing for me, or I agree. Uh, next next case was Edwards versus Vinoy. Um, so this one bleeds off of, you know, as you gentlemen and ladies are listening, you know and well know that my precedence in the Borden case answers this question. And uh, well, let me explain to you why. Uh, Louisiana's non-unanimous jury requirement for crimes requiring life sentences violates the Sixth Amendment and Fourteenth Amendment of the United States Constitution. This case came up based on their, uh, their uh, I think their Ramos, yeah, Louisiana versus Ramos uh, argument that basically nullified uh, unanimous jury verdicts or non-unanimous jury verdicts. So if you went 11-1, 10-2, 9-3 in certain states, Oregon, Puerto Rico, and uh, Louisiana, I'm under the impression of if you didn't have a unanimous jury verdict and you were charged with murder and you had an 11-1 jury verdict in those three states, you could still go to jail. Every other state, they're like, yeah, it's be 12-0. It would have been a mistrial if you were 11-1. So in Louisiana versus Ramos, they said that was unconstitutional. So now Edwards versus Vinoy says, okay, that's unconstitutional. We have 1,600 people in Louisiana that were charged or convicted under 11-1, 10-2 statutes. They need to be retried or released from jail. Um, and basically, that is a valid argument. Um, so I don't give a shit of all the, you know, hey, don't do this. If it's according to my ruling at Borden, um, 
if you go back and it can lower or reduce their sentence, then you need to look at it again. So um, in Borden, a Fifth Amendment case, don't go back and re-sentence under new guidelines that would enhance a sentence. Only re-sentence if it would lower the overall sentence. The case uh, arose from a decision in Ramos, Ramos v. Louisiana, and I do not agree that uh, you need unanimous jury verdicts. I don't, I don't see that anywhere. They made non-unanimous jury verdicts. I already covered that. So basically, I just covered that. So uh, another one that they throw around is Apodaca, which basically uh, justified the non-unanimous jury verdicts, but it is what it is. So good luck, Louisiana, Oregon, and Puerto Rico. Uh, Republic of Hungary versus Simon. This is another one of those. This is the just like the Ivory Coast one, and so is the Federal Republic of Germany versus Philip. Uh, Republic of Hungary was uh, a case in where um, basically they were made the district court abstain from exercising judicial under the Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act for reasons of international comedy, where former Hungarian nationals have sued the nation of Hungary to recover the value of property lost in Hungary during World War II and where the plaintiffs made no attempt to exhaust local Hungarian remedies. So, yes. So if they didn't run through Hungary first, throw it out. Get the fuck out of here. And then a forum of nonconvenience. Is the district court required to defer to the plaintiff's choice of U.S. forum? No, they are not. Uh, in the case of sole connection to the United States is that some named plaintiffs uh, became naturalized system citizens after the fact. No. And then, if so, is the court permitted to defer to a foreign sovereign's defendant comedy interest in hosting claims in its own courts? Yes, where the plaintiff's alleged a sovereign defendant harmed its own nationals and its own soil. Yeah, so run it through the uh, run it through the foreign courts first. And then the second case is Federal Republic of Germany versus Philip. They ran it through the foreign courts already. So uh, now they want the second bite of the apple with the United States courts, which is fine. You still get judicial review, but here you go. Whether the expro expropriation exception of the Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act, which abrogates foreign sovereign immunity when rights of property taken in violation of international law are at issue, provides jurisdiction over claims that a foreign sovereign has violated international human rights law when taking property from its own national within its own borders, even though such claims do not implicate the established international law governing states' responsibility for taking the property. No. And then whether the doctrine of international comedy is available in cases against foreign sovereigns, even in cases of considerable historical and political significance to the foreign sovereign, and even where the foreign nation has a domestic framework for addressing the claims. So the doctrine of international comedy must be considered uh, was my thoughts on that. And then you would want to defer to the agreements between the United States and Germany, and then also Germany's decision in the court cases that occurred there, especially 80 years after the fact. All right, next case is Facebook versus Degude. This is about robocalls. Uh, Congress enacted the Telephone Consumer Protection Act uh, to prohibit calls made on a cell phone without consent using automatic telephone dialing systems. That, prohibit, uh, that prohibition exempts calls made to collect a debt owed or guaranteed by the United States or made for emergency purposes. Petitioner was sued for violating the prohibition and defended on the ground uh, that the prohibition unconstitutionally dis, uh, discriminated on the basis of contact, content and the text messages at issue did not involve any TTS. Ninth Circuit agreed, but the TCPA was unconstitutional, or that the TCPA was unconstitutional, but denied petitioner any relief by taking the extraordinary step of rewriting TCPA to prohibit more speech by eliminating the government's debt collection exception. So basically, the Ninth Circuit said you can't even attempt to collect debts uh, with robocalls. 
to make matters worse, the Ninth Circuit adopted a countertextual and expansive definition of an ATDS, automatic telephone dialing system, that encompasses any device that can store and automatically dial telephone numbers, even your cell phone. So if you robo-dial people from your cell phone, uh, you are violating the law, uh, even if that device cannot store or produce them, using a random or sequen sequential number generator, as the statutory definite uh, defines. This holding, which conflicts with the Third and D.C. Circuits, sweeps into the TCPA's prohibition almost any call or text made from a modern smartphone, any unwanted call or text from a smartphone, you could claim that it's a violation of the TCPA based on the Ninth Circuit's ruling. Uh, the questions are whether the TCPA's prohibition on calls made using an ATDS is an unconstitutional restriction, restriction of speech. No, it's not. And if so, whether the proper remedy is to broaden the prohibition. No, it's not. Uh, and then whether the definition of an ATDS and the TCPA encompasses any device that can store or automatically dial telephone numbers, even if the device does not use random or sequential number readers. No. So basically, try to keep the law. Overturn the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. You don't get robocalls, but you can still call for debts or emergencies. Collins versus Mnuchin. Um, so this one was fun. Uh, in 2008, Congress created the Federal Housing Finance Agency, uh, an independent agency with sweeping authority over housing finance. Uh, unlike every other independent agency except the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, uh, is headed by a single director who can only be removed for cause by the president and exempt from uh, congressional appropriations processes. Where FHHA structure violates the separation of powers, it is not because they're beholden to the president, and whether the courts must set aside a final agency action that FHFA took when it was unconstitutionally structured, no, no one both. This is basically Fannie, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Uh, they signed an agreement with the government, and they're basically their stock prices dropped uh, horrifically, and now they're trying to come back and say, oh, it was unconstitutional because they weren't structured correctly. Fuck off, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Pieces of shit. Uh, there were a couple of decisions, and I will get to those decisions right after this little break. I'm done hating myself for feeling. I'm done crying myself away. Gotta leave and start the healing But when you move like that I just wanna stay Besides the court kicking the shit out of uh, Trump's legal team in Texas, uh, they had a couple, they decided, they decided on four cases, uh, three of them, which I agreed with, and then one, which I did not. So, you know, for the interest of the podcast, I wrote a dissenting opinion. Uh, so enjoy that one. Um, I did notice that uh, if they had problems, like the one I had with the decision that they had made, in Tannen versus Tanvir, they would concur with the decision, but then say, you know, you know, for the reasons stated above, 
this is bullshit, but, you know, precedent, blah, blah, blah. So I did not do that. Uh, I agreed with the uh, U.S. Supreme Court on states versus Briggs. Um, that was the USCMJ where you could reach back, and the USCMJ is basically a standalone document. Uh, I read the opinion and pretty much came to the same conclusion, but they got there based on textualization, like textual uh, interpretation of everything. So, and that's a, that's a key point. They really, except when they don't want to, 90% uh, of the time they're like, oh, based on this, based on this, based on this, this is where we go. It just, like, you can do a basic logic tree without understanding the law, kind of make that decision, but that's how they got there versus states versus Briggs. Um, you could do that. It wasn't a violation of the, under the Eighth Amendment and anything like that. Uh, Rutledge Pharmacol Care Management, um, we came to the same conclusion. Uh, it didn't preempt, so Arkansas can make its laws when it comes to pharmaceutical prices, even though I may disagree with the fact that you should set prices, uh, Arkansas can do that if they want to, so that was an 8-0 decision. Uh, Carney versus Adams, the Delaware uh, free speech uh, case, um, yeah, so I, there was also an 8-0 decision that I agreed with is that you can't violate, but they were trying to leave the door open where, oh, if you just come back with this kind of an argument, then you could overturn it. But it was an 8-0, uh, or we would agree with you. It was an 8-0 decision uh, to basically reject the fact that uh, if you you can't force the governor or not force the governor to, uh, or it's no big deal that if it's 4-3 uh, Democratic and then there's an opening and there's a five or a Democrat. You can't consider a Democrat to keep it done, right? You can't five to it or five three it. You got to five for it. Uh, so you have to consider a Republican or a Democrat, uh, whichever. So, all right. So my dissent. <clears throat> all right. Before I start reading, listen to some music. Get you all get you all excited for uh, for my uh, reading. It's a long when you're on your own And it hurts when they tear your dreams apart And every new town just seems to bring you down Trying to find peace of mind and break your heart It's so From the bench, my dissent. The court went 8-0. Fuck them. Uh, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993, RIFRA, prohibits the federal government from imposing substantial burdens on religious exercises absent a compelling interest pursued through the least restrictive means. Uh, it also gives a person whose religious exercise has been unlawfully burdened uh, the right to seek appropriate relief. The question here is whether appropriate relief includes claims for money damages against the government, against government officials in their individual capacities. The court has erred in the holding that it does. 
Riffer sought to counter the effect that holding and restore the compelling interest test of Smith by providing a claim to persons whose religious exercise is substantially burdened by government. I have no idea what Smith said. Uh, that right of action enables a person to obtain appropriate relief against a government. A government, quote-unquote, is defined to include, quote, a branch, department, agency, instrumentality, and official or other person acting under color of law of the United States, end quote, according to RIFRA. Adding, quote, and official or other persons citing under color of, color of law, end quote, as the court explains, adds untenable protections to government. I agree that a person whose exercise of religion has been unlawfully burdened may, quote, obtain appropriate relief against the government, unquote. I disagree with what the definition of a government is, as the court has and RIFRA has held. A lawsuit seeking damages from employees in their individual capacities is not against a government for two reasons. Relief can be executed only against the person's assets, not the government's, and they actually had a case that supported this, Kentucky v. Graham, uh, in 1985, and persons are not government regardless in what capacity they are acting in. The court supposes that Congress supplanted the ordinary meaning of, quote, government with a different express definition. Quote, when sta a statute includes an explicit definition, we must follow that definition, end quote, even if it varies from a term's ordinary meaning. This comes from Burgess, United States, uh, Burgess v. Uh, United States. I wholeheartedly disagree with this. The court finds itself in conundrums routinely when it follows this logic behind Congress as Congress changes the meanings of words. Uh, see NFIB versus Sibelius, which is the Affordable Care Act case, and the follow-on case, California v. Texas, namely that a penalty is a tax. Uh, the court continues to suppose that if a statute defines, quote, a state, unquote, to include territories and districts, the addition to the plain meaning controls. I disagree. Regardless of what Congress defines as a, quote, state is in law, a state is a state by plain language, and the boundaries set forth in that state are the states, regardless of Congress's definition or assignment as it desires. An individual is not government and, quote, official of government, unquote, may represent government but is not government, and, quote, corporations are not people. They may be compromised of people, but they are not. They are entities just their own, as is government. If Congress defines a state as a bowl of grapes, is a state a bowl of grapes? Continued bastardization of normal, understood, plain language terms leads to legalese issues and routinely troubles the Supreme Court of the United States. The court also contends through precedent that a suit against an official in his personal capacity is a suit against a person acting under color of law, and a suit against a person acting under color of law is a suit against, quote, a government, unquote, as defined in RIFRA. I again reject the, reject the definition of a, quote, an official as, quote, a government. These rope it up connections to define a person official as government or individuals or groups as entities as or agencies boggles my mind or the mind. According, affording too great a protection to government and deferment of liability to officials. Uh, this provides a potential, quote, chilling effect, as was stated previously in the podcast, on the performance of duties of government officials and disincentives of governments to police the actions of persons or officials. Personnel liability in the performance of official functions assuages the impropriety of the departments of Homeland Security when it engaged in the goals and policies that created the interaction between the officials and the respondents in the first place. If not for the DHS, these quote-unquote officials would have had, wouldn't, would, would have not have had the opportunity or the authority to uh, have acted in this manner, effectively eliminating the power to do so. Additionally, in the same turn, 
quote-unquote government will claim inverse protections of speech or association because, quote, a person is government, unquote. Government does not have these rights and must be held accountable when its agents violate the Constitution. I now turn to the, quote, appropriate relief, unquote. Respondents were practicing Muslims who claimed that the FBI agents placed them on the no-fly list in retaliation for the refusal to act as informants against their religious communities. Respondents sued various agents in their official capacities, seeking removal from the no-fly list. They also sued the agents in their individual capacities for money damages. According to respondents, the retaliation cost them substantial sums of money, airline tickets, wasted income from job opportunities, lost more than a year after respondents sued. The Department of Homeland Security informed them that they could now fly, mooting the claims for injunctive relief. Quote, appropriate, unquote, means, quote, specially fitted for suitable or proper. The language is open-ended on its face. What relief is appropriate is inherently context-dependent. This court case is Sossman v. Texas. It's always Texas. Uh, The egregious violations of constitutional rights by the FBI and DHS occurred due to the policies, procedures, and inherent power of those agencies. Subsequently and introspectively, the acts of the officials may or may not have been unconstitutional, but the ultimate liability lies with the authorities and training provided to them by the FBI DHS. The officials would not have had the opportunity or capability to act in the capacity that they did unless they had the authority to do so provided by the government agencies. Government agencies are liable for the actions of their officials and should pay monetary damages for their actions. Say that Agent A is poor and destitute on the verge of bankruptcy. It is appropriate relief for respondents if they sue a bankrupt agent? No. The government is foreseeably in a position to grant appropriate relief in these types of cases at the behest of a jury trial on the merits. The government can also hold these officials in question criminally or administratively accountable due to their malfeasance. If the government wants to garnish wages or some other administrative remedy to the, on the officials or agencies to pay for their actions, they are free to do so. Respondents are not, however, free to sue officials or government, sorry, officials of government for redresses of wrongdoing. I once again stray from the court's long line of precedence with that disagreement. I also disagree that more limited damages against federal officials remain an appropriate form of relief. The court should be wary of damages against government officials for the reasons stated above. There are many reasons why Congress and the courts should shield government employees from personal liability and lay it upon the government and its agencies. The conclusion that RIFRA express remedies provision limits, or sorry, permits litigants to obtain money damages against federal officials in their official capacities is an error and builds upon multitudes of bad precedents or multitudes of years of bad precedent. This decision affords extraordinary protections to government and its agencies and lays at the feet of officials and individuals the liability of horrible policy, executive management, leadership, orders, or government decisions. This judgment by the United States Court of Appeals and the Second Circuit should be overturned. So, there you go. From the bench, bitches. Gazing through the window at the world outside Wondering, will Mother Earth survive? Hoping that mankind will stop abusing her sometime. After all, there's only just the two of us, and here we are still fighting. Oh, 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 oh,
it would be nice.